Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. With the recent outbreak of war between Israel and Hamas, people naturally pick sides. We also wonder, whose side is God on? In today's Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. teaches us that that's the wrong question. God isn't on anyone's side. God wants all people to go to heaven, both Jews and Arabs. Are you on God's side? Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on October 22nd, 2023. Jesus is in every chapter of of every book in the entire Bible, Jesus is there. And such is the case here. How do you know this is Jesus? Because of what Joshua does next. What does Joshua do next? Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Now that's Jesus not an angel, because any time any man tried to bow down and worship an angel, the angel's like, don't do that. They would never accept worship, because only God is worthy of all of our worship. So that's how we know, because if this wasn't Jesus, and it was an angel of the Lord, and not the Lord Himself, they would have said, get up, get up, what are you doing? I'm just an angel. But Jesus doesn't do that. Verse 15, then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Jesus said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Okay, pastor, um, you're not answering the question that you're asking. I mean, don't you hate it when somebody answers a question you weren't asking? I think it's worse when you don't answer a question you were asking. I need to get more sleep probably. I am answering the question vis-a-vis the Word of God and the Word of the Lord to Joshua who asks him the wrong question. Whose side are you on? That's the wrong question for which there is only one right answer. Here's the answer. You ready? Wait for it. It's not whose side am I on, or even whose side is God on. Rather, are we on God's side? Are we on God's side? That was the answer. (laughs) Whose side are you on? No. Wrong question. I mean, wrong answer. But wrong question. Let's, let's get it right first. There's only one right answer to your wrong question. It's not, whose side are you on? 
It's, are you on God's side? According to God's word, according to God's will. What's God's will? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning His promise. This is, by the way, in the context of His return. As some count slackness, or if you prefer slowness, as some of your translations render it. And here's the reason why, by the way. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is the will of God that no one perish, but that all should come to repentance. And please don't accuse me of universalism. Hell was never created for man. Hell was created for the devil and his demons. God did not create. I love how one said it. God doesn't send anybody to hell. They send themselves there over Jesus's dead, crucified, and resurrected body. That's the will of God. That's according to the will of God, that all would come to repentance. All, all Jews, all Arabs, all locals, all Howleys too. I got away with it last week. I thought I'd push, push it again this week. Okay, can you get to the point? Yes, get to the matter at hand. I will. What's the matter at hand? The matter at hand has to include a distinguishing between the land, that's the matter at hand, and the people laying claim to the land. That's the matter at hand. There has to be a, a distinction, really, if you prefer a separation between the people and the land. And that's what we're going to do. And that's what we need to do. What I'm hoping to accomplish in explaining all of this is to prove that the so-called Palestinian claim on Jerusalem is illegitimate. Actually, one of the main reasons, of which there are many, for the illegitimacy of the Palestinians' claim is that there are no Palestinians. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. The best book I've ever read on this, it's by Ramon Bennett, titled Philistine, The Great Deception. Now you have to understand that as your pastor, if I'm so privileged to be your pastor, I grew up in a home being told and taught that I was Palestinian. My dad Egyptian, my mom Palestinian. And then I got saved at age 19. And then I read the Word of God for the first time all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. It took me about six months. And I started asking some very important questions that demanded some very serious answers like, I don't see the Palestinians being the same as the Philistines in the Old Testament. And then I came across many, many years ago this book, and I mean it was life-changing for me. I have to confess, and I do recommend this book. You can still, I think, get it on Amazon. It's been a long time now, but um, it's not a book that you enjoy reading. It's a book that you endure reading. There was a couple of times where I just had to walk away from it because it was such a hard book to read knowing, you know, th this, th this was my roots, you know. Who 
Who am I? I don't know. I thought I was a Palestinian. I'm not now. What am I now? I don't know. Anyway, enough of that. But I just want to share with you a few quotes from his outstanding work. In the year 130 AD, the Romans renamed Jerusalem Aelia Capitolina, after the emperor Aelius Hadrianus and the god Jupiter Capitolinus. The Romans kept Aelia Capitolina as their name for Jerusalem and renamed the promised land Syria Palestina. The renaming of the land was an overt effort to eradicate the Jewish connection so that, not quoting, the name of Israel be remembered no more. The name. They renamed it. After the Muslim conquest of Palestina in the 7th century AD, the name Ilya, like Ilias or Elias, Ilya, Capitolina, gradually faded from use, and in due process of time, Palestina, the Latin form of Philistia, the land of the ancient Philistines, was anglicized into Palestine. That's how they got the name Palestine. Here's a truth bomb, pun intended. It wasn't named Palestine because of the Palestinians. It was named Palestine because of the Romans. The ancient Philistines are not synonymous with the so-called modern-day Palestinians. How do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible records for us, actually you can start in 2 Samuel 5, it's actually before and after, but the Philistines were destroyed and eliminated under the rule of one King David. Second Samuel 5. And that's just the biblical evidence, but there's also the archaeological evidence. There's the conspicuous absence of any Palestinian coinage, and if you want to take it further, any Palestinian language. Well, what do these so-called Palestinians speak? Arabic. Because they're Arabs. And Arabs speak Arabic. They're Arabs. About 25 years ago, this is as only the Lord can, I became good friends with this Jewish brother in Christ who was in my church on the mainland. This is like 25 years ago. He let me borrow some of it. He has an amazing collection. And he had this collection of life magazines dating back into the 40s, 1940s. Notice you could have bought one for 15 cents. So I asked him, I said, hey, can I, can I just borrow them and scan them? And I painstakingly scanned the main articles that related. It was so interesting and fascinating because these articles were prior to and in concert with the rebirth of the nation of Israel in one day, by the way according to the prophecy in the Word of God. Can a nation be born in one day? (laughs) Israel can. One day. What was the day? May 14, 1948. Permit me to quote from these articles. I'll do so quickly and as briefly as I possibly can to provide an explanation with this documentation proving that the so-called Palestinians are not Palestinians, they are Arabs. This first article is titled, Palestine, 
and was published on August 19, 1946, just shy of two years before the rebirth of Israel as a nation. Quoting, so what of a Jewish state? The Arabs regard it as an exotic movement, internationally financed, artificially stimulated, holding no hope of ultimate or permanent success. (laughs) You probably should read Isaiah and Ezekiel and listen to the then Saudi Arabian king Ibn Saud as I quote him from Life magazine dated May 31st 1943. Notice it was 10 cents. I'm sorry, but it went up five cents uh, five years later. Anyway, this is five years before Israel's rebirth as a nation, quoting the king of Saudi Arabia Ibn Saud. I know of nothing that justifies the Jewish claims in Palestine. I am not afraid of the Jews or of the possibility of their ever having a state or power either in the land of the Arabs or elsewhere. This is in accordance with what God has revealed unto us through the mouth of His prophet in His holy book, the Quran. The prophet, false prophet, Muhammad false religion, Islam. And oh, by the way, just so you know, I hope you know, if you don't know, you better know, that the the name Jerusalem is not found even one time in the Quran, not one time. In the Bible, over 800, I think. I'm, I'm careful lately. If you notice this, I'm learning not to get exact numbers, because then I just get excoriated afterwards, because I was not correct. So I'm being generic. It was a little over 800 times. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many times in the Quran? Zero. Oh, they try. It's the Arabic translation of the Quran. There's a a verse in the Quran that says the holy place from afar. (laughs) Yeah, nice try. (laughs) That's not Jerusalem. Uh, The holy sites of Islam are in Saudi Arabia, and they are Mecca and Medina. Okay, here's another one. This one's titled, The Palestine Problem. That is a problem. It was published on February 16, 1948. Quote, the UN decided the land, the land, should be divided into three parts. Listen, a Jewish state, an Arab state, and an internationalized Jerusalem. Still quoting, the UN stands back of the decision, but so far back that from the Mount of Olives, around which is being spilled the blood of Arabs and Jews, its blue banner is almost invisible. Any move to revise would, of course, be a serious blow to the UN prestige, climbed down in the face of force. Moreover, it would probably increase the fighting. Keep in mind, this is 1948. Stalin could then maneuver over to the side of the fanatical ex-Grand Mufti and try to stir up the whole Arab world. This could be disastrous to the U.S., the U.N., and the 800,000 Jews in Arab lands. Did you notice something here? Did, Did you notice any mention of Palestinians? 
They're not mentioned. Oh, Palestine, for the aforementioned reasons, because it was renamed as such. But no, it's not the Palestinians, it's the Arabs. Why is it the Arabs? Am I yelling? I'm sorry. It's a gift. That's a custom in my country. We yell when we talk. We love you, but we yell at you. Very passionate people. Anyway, that, that was no extra charge. So why, why do they not say Palestinians? Why do they say Arabs? Because they're Arabs and they're not Palestinians. Are we okay? <laughs> the reason there's no mention of Palestinians in the articles is because there were no Palestinians in the land. There were Arabs in the land. And by the way, there weren't that many Arabs in the land. It's a well-documented fact that there were very few Arabs, actually very few people in the land, let alone Arabs and Jews in the land. And the Jews never forced the Arabs out of the land. The Arabs have been ever since trying to force the Jews out of their land. And by the way, it's not about the land. And that's why it's so important to distinguish between the land and the people. Because talking about maps, another map illustration, have you seen a map of the Middle East lately? You should do it. Search it up. Map of the Middle East. You have to zoom out to get all of the Arab land. Because the Arab land is like all of this. And then you got, now you got to zoom in because Israel is like, where, oh, there it is here. Zoom in. Zoom in more. Zoom in more. There it is. That's Israel. Oh, they need more land? (laughs) Okay. Again, Bennett of this writes, Arabs claim that Jews forced millions of Palestinian Arabs from the lands they had farmed for thousands of years. No, they didn't. And by the way, uh, Palestinian Arabs, did you notice that distinction? That, that's deliberate and for good reason, because if you lived in Palestine pre-1948 and you were a Jew, you were called a Palestinian. Now, if you really wanted to get down and qualify it, you would then say, well, I'm a Palestinian Arab or I'm a Palestinian Jew, but you're still a Palestinian. You were considered a Palestinian. Why? Because you were a Philistine? No, because the name of the land is Palestine. That's why. Still quoting, we know that prior to modern times, millions of Arabs never lived in Palestine. We also know that Arabs have not been around for thousands of years. Only the Jews had a continual presence in the land. Rather than being farmed by Arabs for thousands of years, it was a wasteland. Eminent writers and pilgrims of the Holy Land throughout the ages have left many written testimonies of the empty, barren wilderness, and even historians report the same findings. Bennett goes on to document these historians in speaking of the prolific American writer Mark Twain, who toured Palestine in the year 1867. Uh, I love uh this is a gift. Listen to the poetic nature with which Mark Twain writes this, describing what he saw in 1867. Come to Galilee, these unpeopled deserts, these rusty mounds of barrenness, that never do shake the glare from their harsh outlines, that melancholy ruin of Capernaum, 
We reached Tabor safely. We never saw a human being on the whole route. Wait, I thought there were millions of Arabs farming the land. No, didn't see one. Bethlehem and Bethany, in their poverty and their humiliation, have nothing about them now. The hallowed spot where the shepherds watched their flocks by night, and where the angels saying, peace on earth, goodwill to men, is untenanted, no tenants, by any living creature. Beit Saida and Korzin have vanished from the earth, and the desert places round about them sleep in the hush of a solitude that is inhabited only by birds of prey and skulking foxes. Stirring scenes occur in the valley of Jezreel no more, Megiddo, the valley of Armageddon, as we know it in Revelation. This is, there is not a solitary village throughout its whole extent, not for 30 miles in either direction. Palestine sits in sackcloth and ashes, desolate and unlovely. It is a dreamland. Citing a man by the name of Carl Hermann Voss in The Palestine Problem Today, subtitled Israel and Its Neighbors, Bennett quotes, in the twelve and a half centuries between the Arab conquest in the seventh century and the beginnings of the Jewish return in the 1880s, Palestine was laid waste. Its ancient canal and irrigation systems were destroyed, and the wondrous fertility of which the Bible spoke vanished into desert and desolation. By the way, we just finished Ezekiel chapter 29, making our way through the book of Ezekiel. You know what comes after 29? 30, and then 31, and then 32, and then 33, and then 34, 35, 36. Wow, the guy can count. Impressive. 37. Ezekiel 38, These, uh, this wasteland that's desolate, God through the prophet Ezekiel says, I'm going to make it fertile, and I'm going to bring life and breathe life into those dead bones, and I'm going to bring them back to life, and I'm going to bring them back in the land, and the land is going to be fruitful and prosperous, and I'm going to do it as only I can. A man by the name of Gunnar Edward Webb in the Palestine Exploration Fund quarterly statement writes, and I want you to listen to this, nothing there to be seen but a little of the old walls, which is yet remaining, speaking of Jerusalem, and all the rest is grass, moss, and weeds, much like a piece of rank or moist ground. Quoting a French poet, a place among the nations, Bennett writes, Outside the gates of Jerusalem we saw indeed no living object, heard no living sound. We found the same void, the same silence as we should have found before the entombed gates of Pompeii. A complete eternal silence reigns in the town. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing. And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. 
If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth. 